0: So glad to be with you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. But right now, the big problem is a lot of people have no money coming in. And the consequences of that are showing up in so many ways. There's a new report out earlier today that 31%, it's so funny that the number is so precise let's just say roughly a third of U.S. renters did not pay their rent on April 1st and as far as the data knows uh, the data crunchers know have not paid it yet and it's because we have so many tens of millions of Americans who've now lost their jobs and unemployment compensation in most states has not kicked in because of the problems in implementing the new regime for unemployment compensation. So I want to tell you something that's clear from everything I've read about the problems with tenants not being able to pay rent. The most important thing is to stay in touch with your landlord. Whether your landlord is an individual, which a lot of rental properties are, Um, single-family homes, duplexes, quadplexes that are owned by an individual, a, a regular person, not some big faceless corporation, and they're hurting too when you can't pay rent. Please stay in touch with your landlord and let him or her know if it is a small individually owned property, what's going on, what you're doing about uh, your application for unemployment compensation the expectation is that when you get your unemployment compensation you heard me say when not if because eventually the backlog will work off that you do what you can to catch up on April rent and the unemployment compensation at least for four months is high enough with the $600 a week overlay from the feds on top of whatever you qualify for on your state that you should be able, likely, to get current on your rent. Now if you have, uh, as many people do, I guess it's somewhere around 60% or more of rental units are owned by these big impersonal corporations, uh, limited partnerships, private equity groups and then those properties in turn are generally managed by third-party property managers. The third-party property managers are generally prohibited from making any accommodation with you but if you didn't hear me explain this last week on April Fool's Day many traditional apartment complexes the financing for them came from federal sources and the federal sources have told the landlords that they need to reach accommodations with tenants who cannot pay that was not clear and had not filtered down to professional management companies last week but I think more and more of them are aware of it now so if you t- tried to talk to that big impersonal management company last week and they blew you off It would be really good for you to stay in touch with them now. I also like for you to stay in touch in writing, not just with a phone call, because there's no proof that you actually have stayed in touch with one of these big landlords if it's only in a phone call. It's best that it be in writing, and you likely can communicate with your landlord by email. You should do so and let them know your situation when you think as best you can guess you will be able to come up with money to pay the rent normally professional landlords will not accept partial payments normally you may find that they are more accommodating to that saying send us what you can right now is an example with a small landlord who may own one to Uh, typically small is considered to be one to nine rental properties, but it could be somebody who owns more than that, but somebody who's running their own show, they will generally be very happy to take some amount of rent from you temporarily with an understanding that you'll come up with the rest later. But it's all about communicating. The more you communicate, the better. And know that that the problems you're having as a tenant are also problems for that small landlord. Now, I know nobody cares about the big landlords. They're going to have their own cash flow problems too. But the reality is getting the unemployment thing right, which is taking much longer than anybody would have expected and has led to so much frustration from people, is going to take um, several weeks, it looks like, before all the 50 states have their act together on paying out their normal unemployment, paying out the new federal overlay of unemployment, and again, that goes for four months, and is retroactive from when you became unemployed. And in addition to paying the temporary unemployment compensation available to self-employed, independent contractors, and gig workers that the delays with that are greater than they are for people who have a traditional W-2 kind of job and that's the fallout we're talking about with roughly one in three people not being able to pay their April rent. Now what we're doing is if you have a question for me go to clark.com slash ask post your question and I want to tell you we're seeing very clear patterns. And Kim, I don't remember exactly what you told me, but I think you said there are four topics that are accounting for 60% of the questions people are posting. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Unemployment, SBA loans, both PPP and EIDL, um, housing situations, rent situations, and I I think that was the main ones.
0: Okay. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're seeing what you're asking about trying to come up with different angles that I haven't realized are important or I haven't addressed or that I need to address more clearly so that we get you the best answers we can on the fallout from the effects on the economy of coronavirus and Kim and Joel are asking your questions for you and Kim what you got first
1: all right. First up today is Jason. He says, my company furloughed 90% of the employees. However, they are paying us one day per week to cover our benefits. I'm being told because of this that we will not be able to claim unemployment. Do you have any insight?
0: That's normally correct, but there is a provision under the federal, federal law, the third stimulus law, where as people are interpreting it, but it's not fully clear yet that you will still be entitled to a ratio of unemployment instead of full unemployment now the employer is doing something that is actually hurting their cash flow and hurting you as a worker paying you a partial check each week they are allowed to furlough you still maintain your benefits and that's generally although people use the lingo differently. As a general rule, a layoff is when you no longer have a paycheck and you have no benefits. A furlough is when you get laid off but you still maintain benefits is the most commonly accepted definition. So your employer would actually improve their cash flow and improve the ability for all the employees unequivocally to be able to file for unemployment if they did not pay the day a week but continued the benefits as an alternative. If you work for a small enough place and you can bend somebody's ear about it politely, that would be a double win for you and for the employer. Joel.
2: Clark Corey wrote in. He says, I'm currently on a 12 month lease through May 31st. That's set through a for another 12 months. If I were to leave the lease states that I must communicate in writing at least 30 days in advance. With the shelter-in-place order extended at least through when I would need to communicate a decision, what are my options if I don't want to renew but also don't feel comfortable moving elsewhere under current conditions?
0: So what I would do is immediately contact your landlord. You have just a couple of weeks before you would have to officially give notice. Tell them the situation that you do not want to renew but you would be interested in a short extension of your lease. If you're someone who's paying your rent, the landlord, if they have any brain at all, would be ecstatic to give you a short extension because as I just related, if roughly a third of people already are not paying rent and you are a rent payer, you're able to pay your rent, you are money in the bank for that landlord and they should be willing to work with you. If they don't, you need to go ahead and give them the proper legal notice. Once you've done that, then you've got their attention completely, and they likely will work out some accommodation with you for a reasonable extension of your lease.
1: Kim? Peggy says, my son is a landscaper and they shut down every winter for about two months. During this time, my son always claims unemployment. So right now he's just coming off unemployment when the virus hit. He can't go back to work because his boss is high risk and his boss's wife was exposed to COVID-19. Is he eligible for any unemployment now? It's not clear to him how it works.
0: So in this case, yes. And this is different than how pre-existing unemployment compensation laws worked in a number of states before the new federal law that temporarily changed the rules on unemployment. Because you cannot work as a result of coronavirus, you are now eligible for unemployment. It will trigger the eligibility for the 600 bucks a week for is um, now I think I've calculated properly Kim I think it is 17 weeks not 16 the number we couldn't figure out and you will be eligible for likely a reduced amount from your state but the big money in the whole unemployment picture for people in almost all of the 50 states is the $600 federal overlay that continues through July. Joel?
2: Yeah, Clark, Debbie wrote in. She says, I'm a booth renter in a salon. I pay $175 a week. Being out of work for coronavirus, is there a program or a loan to help me through this crisis?
0: Yes, you are in theory eligible as of Friday based on your earnings that you had in uh, what basically you're a self-employed individual doing a booth rental. Based on what you earned in 2019, you're going to be eligible to file for unemployment. Now you're, uh, I'm sorry, you're eligible for unemployment and you're eligible for the PPP as of Friday. Gosh, there's so much stuff that I got to keep in my head. So with the um, payroll protection plan, based on your payroll, your equivalent payroll, what you earned in 2019, you're eligible for two and a half times your monthly earnings potentially as a loan. Now that will not be likely as much money as you may qualify for under unemployment. Now the other possibility that would not do a lot for you based on the latest regulations that have been issued is the SBA Idle loan, EIDL, where as a single employee you would be eligible for a thousand dollar grant does not have to be paid back and then a loan to tide you over till you're able to go back to earning your normal living. If you have a question for me please go to clark.com ask and then producers Kim and Joel are asking your questions for you. Kim who, what you got?
1: This is from Allison. She says, I applied for a job during the coronavirus and the company has asked me to email them my resume along with my driver's license and my social Social security number. I have a freeze on my social security number. So is it safe to do this?
0: So I need to understand this. You applied for a job. Are they now offering you a job and that's why they need your social? Or where are you in this? Now, based on what you have there, Kim, we don't know that, right?
1: Yeah, I don't know why I assumed that this was all during the application process, but you're right, it it could go either way. So if
0: it's just application process point, I'm not comfortable with you giving that level of information to a company that unless you've been through a series of interviews and you know who you're dealing with and you know it's a, a... There's no risk that somebody's trying to defraud you out of your personal information. I mean, once you have a tentative offer and they then ask for additional things like your social, I'm okay with you giving it at that point, but not before that point. Joel?
2: Mark Tracy says, due to the coronavirus, can I currently pull money from my 401k without having to pay any penalties?
0: Yes, and this is... Something that you can withdraw up to hundred grand from your 401k and you do not have to pay the tax right away. It can be paid over three years and you don't pay the 10% federal penalty. Having said all that, this should be a last financial move, not an early one. When you're out of ways to deal with your life and your finances, that's when you do this one odd provision if you get solidly back on your feet and you can pay it back you're actually able to and pay no tax at all. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less which are both very very important right now. If you're still working you need to be saving as much of every dollar you make as possible, and if you are in danger of losing your job, your income has been reduced, or you have lost your job, you've got to stretch every penny. We're working as hard as we can at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com to help you with that. Now, is if you're just tuning in, you missed that Kim and I were talking earlier about the questions that people are posting at clark.com ask, and number one are questions about the difficulty of getting unemployment compensation. Number two is this exercise and frustration small business owners are having trying to borrow money under the SBA programs that Congress has launched because of the extreme financial harm to businesses from the coronavirus. Well, there's something that just leaked out, published first in the Washington Post. It is a video. and If you've heard how Zoom is not very safe to use, if you don't want anybody to see your Zoom teleconference, this is proof of the pudding. An SBA administrator was talking in a Zoom video about the problems that businesses are having with the loan programs particularly the problems businesses are having with the payroll protection plan or program and the problem pretty simple said by the administrator the big banks and I'm going to quote some of the big banks had no problem taking billions of dollars of free money as bailout in 2008 are now the biggest banks that are resistant to helping small businesses end quote and this is a reality is that the big banks have been ridiculous in their response that they don't want to bother with small businesses they don't want to have to deal with the details of this and you've got four giant monster mega banks that account for half of banking activity in the country and they're spitting on Main Street. They are spitting on you as a business owner. The SBA realizing this, one of the things that came out in this Zoom is they're trying to go around the incredibly rotten behavior of City, Chase, Wells Fargo, and Bank of America by going to fintechs and creating eligibility for them to make loans. Fintechs are you know, the, the technology-based lenders that are all wanting to do these loans at the same time that banks don't want to do them. The banks are slow walking is an expression used a lot in politics. And one of the things alleged by the SBA administrator is the banks are slow walking the applications, and businesses starved for money right now are not getting it. So, what should you do? All right. So, number one is I've said since last Friday look for the smallest possible lender you can find a small local community bank or credit union and avoid doing business with the four giant monster megas if they don't want you you don't want them and I want you to remember this if you do your business banking with one of the four giant monster megas if there's a better signal that they don't have your back this is it now I'm expecting that there's so much uproar on Capitol Hill and so much negative publicity coming towards the giant monster megas that I'm expecting that they're suddenly going to get religion and start behaving more on this lending program I want you to know as a business no business owner no matter how frustrated you are stick to it now on the idle loans which is the other EIDL the other form of loan that you can do for your business that you do directly with the SBA The SBA, by its own admission, has screwed up on issuing those. They've never had to deal with the raw numbers of applications they're dealing with right now, and they have contracted with two outside contractors to try to get the program going again. We had one of the SBA administrators on yesterday, and what he said was that you should, if your application seems to have gone into the ether, what regional administrator bell said put in another application you should get an email confirmation of your application and if in fact with the new contractor being involved things start processing then a new application may be the right answer on the eidl so congress is later this week going to allocate another quarter trillion dollars to the small business lending and so you don't have to worry as much about the money running out but the reality is the fact is the money's not flowing through right now like it's supposed to and part of the problem was the SBA was late and confusing with the regulations the other part the banks up to their old tricks of misbehaving
1: Kim, Joel, who's next? Hey, it's me, but guess what? I want to revisit with you what we were just talking about with the EIDL application. So after Mr. Bell joined us yesterday, I was communicating with his office a little bit and they clarified that no one Has received an email confirmation. What he meant by confirmation is after you apply for the EIDL, you should land on a confirmation page, which gives you a confirmation number. If you have that confirmation number within the next week to week and a half, that's when you'll get your confirmation email. But no one has gotten one yet. And please don't think that you know, you need to apply again because you haven't gotten an email. What he meant was if you didn't reach that page and get a confirmation number, but no one has gotten confirmation emails yet.
0: Okay. That's fantastic. Thank you for correcting me.
1: No problem. So moving on from Presley, what is the actual website that I as a 1099 person should apply for a PPP loan on this Friday, April 10th? I want one of the loans that I won't have to pay back. And I talked to my credit union, but I was told that since I don't have a business account already set up with them, they won't do it for me. I have a business tax ID number. I just don't have a business account.
0: So this has been, you're describing the problem that so many business owners have said, for whatever reason, the financial institution you do business with says you don't qualify for their process. And this is is a terrible, terrible problem that I would like Congress to correct later this week. And when they allocate the additional quarter trillion, I would like them to make the PPP available as a direct application through the SBA in addition to you having to find a bank or credit union that will take that application. Short of that, I would like for the SBA to put a big emphasis on getting the fintechs approved that want to make loans and aren't setting up roadblocks preventing people from doing the borrowing. Joel?
2: Clark Chico wrote in. He says, I've just been notified of pending deposits for unemployment compensation, which is great. However, no mention of the $600 weekly stimulus money. Is it really coming?
0: The $600 is coming. The states are, in many cases, having trouble processing that. And others, they're not processing that yet because they say they don't have the money funded yet from the federal government. You know, I I don't know how to... um, I used to work for the federal government. And briefly, I worked for a state government all when I was very young in college. And what I learned is that It's such a difficult process from when Congress passes something till an agency issues regulations, till a program is operational. And in this case, a process that usually takes three to six months before something is actually happening, the feds are trying to get done in one to two weeks. And obviously, the system has broken down. And with the unemployment compensation that people need yesterday or last week it's taking a while before all the pieces fall into place
1: kim all right tracy says due to the pandemic and lots of time at home i have begun looking into making a will or a trust I can't believe I have not done it so far. I have a mortgage on my home, a paid-for vacation rental condo, both traditional and Roth IRAs, two children, 19 and 21, and I am divorced. How do I know if I should do a will or a trust or both? I was looking online, but I'm not sure if a website would suffice or if I need to see an attorney. So here's what I would
0: do in your case. I would do an interim will on your own. Because your situation sounds like it is right on the edge of where it would definitely be valuable for you to have a lawyer do a will and potentially, based on your situation, possibly a trust would be called for. But if you have no will and you have that number of assets, there's a direct advantage for you doing an interim will so that your wishes of who you'd like to have what at the time of your passing would be pretty much carried out versus if you don't do one, your state will decide who gets those assets under a formula that the state uses. Now, Nolo.com, N-O-L-O.com is selling massive numbers of wills right now under the Willmaker program that is a streamlined, easy-to-use program There would be a great place for you not just to do your will, but it includes much more than that. It also includes the ability for you to uh, do some of those things. We never really get around to involving like what happens in the event that um, we aren't well and we need somebody to make medical decisions for us and all the rest. And right now, Willmaker 2020, is 30% off at NOLO.com with the code NOLO20. And if you go to NOLO.com, you'll see it. Willmaker right now is their absolute most popular product. I would get a simple will in place that states who gets your stuff and then go about the process of hiring a lawyer to do more complicated things if that, in fact, is called for by your situation. Joel? I forgot who's next. It's me. All
2: right. Yeah, Jennifer's got a question. She says, I have private and public student loans. I work for the government, so I'm trying to have my public student loans forgiven after 10 years in repayment. Right now, I'm still working. Should I keep paying both public and private student loans, or should I take that payment from federal and apply it to the private student loans to pay those down faster since I'm hoping to get that public loan forgiven?
0: Yeah. So your months now through September count towards your 120 months for public service loan forgiveness so you don't make a payment they're not asking for any payments now no interest accrues through September and so it's like the perfect situation for you you're still working you can take the money you were putting towards the uh, public loan forgiveness and for these months through September put that money towards your private loans and work those balances down on those and then resume your payments on your uh, federal loans october 1st kim
1: all right peggy says i booked a trip on february 2nd to travel on april 12th to my son's military graduation everything is closed down now and the airlines have canceled my flights the bookings were non-cancelable non-refundable and after talking to the airline, they say that they will issue me a credit. I can count on my hand how many times in my life I've actually flown commercially, so I won't be needing a credit to fly anytime soon. What are my chances of arguing and getting a refund of the tickets?
0: Right. right, first, uh, thank your son for his service to our country. Second, you are due a full refund for the airline canceling your flight. The U.S. Department of Transportation reiterated that just a few days ago that the airlines that are playing fast and loose with the law and not making refunds are required to make those refunds. So you don't have to plead your case. You just call them back and say I want my refund period and I expect to hear back from you. I want to know the name of the airline. I want to know the circumstance. If they still don't give you the refund that the law requires.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Post your questions for me at clark.com slash ask, and then producers Joel and Kim are asking your questions for you. Joel, who you got one from?
2: Clark got one from Kelly. We were just talking about a a refund on an airline, but what about car rental agencies? Kelly wants to know, are car rental agencies refunding cancellations due to COVID-19 right now?
0: So this is a great question because there's no legal requirement that a car rental company, if you made a non-refundable booking for a car rental to refund that money to you. Now, think about it. The car rental companies are sitting there with their fleets totally unloved and they didn't cancel on you. The other parts of your travel did. Uh, Now, what I'm hearing from people, even though there's no requirement that car rental agencies seem to be giving people credits towards future rentals and in the case of a car rental agency I would ask first politely for a refund if not your fallback is to attempt to get a credit for a future rental. Kim?
1: Joe says, we claimed our 94-year-old father as a dependent on our 2018 taxes. As I read the CARES Act, that makes him ineligible for a stimulus check. If he files a loan for 2019, will he get a check or is it too late?
0: It is not too late for him to do that. And you wouldn't want to do anything, though, that would be considered to be committing tax fraud. If you actually provide more than 50% of his um, cost of living then he is technically and legally considered to be a dependent you have filed that status before but as a practical matter nobody's going to figure out that you changed that and that's something you did just to get 1200 bucks so you could certainly have him file his own return and you can do that very quickly with one of the programs available at freefile at irs.gov and then qualify him for the $1,200. The podcast normally would end here, but because of the unusual circumstances we're in, we have additional content that we recorded earlier today that I'd like you to have access to. And this will continue day by day as long as the events warrant. So. I've gotten a lot of questions from people about the housing market and worried about if they're trying to sell a home right now or buy one the spring selling season's completely distorted and activity will be much slower than originally expected but that's different than what the effects are going to be on housing prices and the data is preliminary but there's a new report based from Atom Data Solutions, which is a big data cruncher in the housing market, it's geared towards the industry itself, not really us as consumers, and they have found that the effects of coronavirus are going to be most severe on home prices in certain select parts of the country. They find that most of the state of New Jersey is going to have a very, very significant impact. State of Florida in certain areas is going to have a very strong impact on the housing market. In addition in the tri-state area in addition to um, New Jersey parts of New York parts of Connecticut are going to be affected but not heavily. As far as elsewhere in the country outside of the tri-state area and Florida very little lasting impact is expected on the housing market in much of the country. So the report takes all the counties in the country and divides them out to see risk level. And other than the places I mentioned, they're very rare situations. The places that look like they're the least vulnerable, Texas, and Colorado where the housing market looks like it will ride through coronavirus more solidly than elsewhere in the country generally and here's something else I wanted to talk about today right now if there's no making money and you're trying to take every dollar you have and make it last as best you can we're doing that for you here on the show We're doing that for you at Clark.com and at ClarkDeals.com. And I have an update for you on an area where I have been unusually negative. I'm usually someone who's always looking for the positive in things. And I have been, in the questions I've received from people who have private student loans, I've been like, forget about it. The private student loan lenders are telling people to get lost and that may have been true initially but that's changing day by day. Now let me tell you it's no walk in the park if you have private student loans and you've lost your job but as a general rule most private student loan lenders are offering 90 days of forbearance where for 90 days you will not be considered to be delinquent because we are in the midst of a national emergency. Now, the 90 days is something that's either explicitly stated on your lender's website, or it's something that when you call, they will offer you 90 days forbearance. Now, let me tell you how this works. Um, You don't get it. You just don't stop paying on your loan, and suddenly they say, oh, well, he or she couldn't pay because of coronavirus, so we're putting them in forbearance. You have to call your student loan lender. Again, this is for private loans. You need to call them and tell them that you need forbearance because of coronavirus. Start at their website just to make sure that they've already published a policy, and the policies published should tell you that you can either ask in 90-day increments you don't get you don't ask for six months at a time but you ask for 90 days and then later if you're still unemployed because of coronavirus you go back and ask for another 90 some though we're capping it as straight 90 days interest continues to accrue on your loan but no penalties when you call and you get to a human at your lender make sure you take notes where you put in a safe place when you called, date and time, who you spoke with, if they identify themselves with an employee number, you want that as well, and write down notes on what you were told. If your lender offers a way of doing an online chat that you can then print out, that's better because you have documented proof of what the lender offered you as a forbearance. Now, as to how loans are caught up later, that will be up to each lender how the months of forbearance have to be caught up. But for now, communicate early, often, and document. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show.